Tavern brother. How are you doing, David? Great. Great, great, great. What's going on? Awesome, man. I'm all, I'm all fueled up. I got my rock and rose caffeine in me and uh, ready to uh, roll here and get into Deeth. Right? Is that my pronouncing that right? Di- Dieth, dude, dieth. Dieth, dieth. Okay, the other way. Dieth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it almost sounds like a joke that my dad would tell me back in the day. A Polish guy, a Swedish guy, and a guy from Arizona walk into a bar together or a recording studio or, or a stage. <laughs> but tell me how this uh, this whole project got started. I mean, like any new band, it's a, it's a new relationship. Who made the first move? Who, who reached out first? Well, um... Galerme uh, was looking to reboot and get things started after his time in Entombed, and that it all sort of moved on. You know, ended with Lars dying from the band. Yeah. Uh, Mihal had been in Decapitated, of course, and had moved on from that. I was six months or so out of Megadeth, so I moved on with the Lucid and other things, and was working on the Nick Menza documentary and getting all this new stuff together. Um, and so I got an email introduction from Christian Lawrence, who plays drums in Dead by Wednesday out of Connecticut. And yeah. uh, Christian had played with me and my Ellison band. I hired him to play with me and Frank Bello. And I put out a record for him on combat. So we had a good friendship. And yeah, one day Christian just sends, hey, sends an email. And he's like, hey, uh, Miguel Hermes, you know, kind of gave me the blow to the backstory. I'm like, okay, so... Um, Sure. Send me the song. You know, it, it always starts there. Right. I'm always like, like, you know, even if I know you, and in this case, I did not know Glarmy and Mihal, I said, you know, send me the song. Let me hear it. Let me see if I like it. And if I like it, all right, we'll go cut a bass track for you. And, you know, once we mixed it, we we're like pretty freaking good right there, you know, and, <laughs> and most importantly, it had a, it just had a fresh new sound to it, you know, and I, you know, of course, I I you know, haven't been super steeped in death metal, but, you know, the stuff that's around, you know, Obituary and uh, Cannibal Corpse and some of, you know, the American stuff, probably a little more than anything else, but um, new of Tomb, Entombed, of course. But um, now to kind of be in the room with these guys and, you know, I, I, I it forced me to become a student of what they do because um, they're younger than me and they certainly grew up on my record. So it was now it was my turn to you know, do, you know, roll up my sleeves and, and, and have a new, have a new understanding about how these guys do it. Yeah. I was kind of curious about that. If there was a learning curve and it sounds like there was not only uh, learning death metal, but also going to a three piece band, one guitar, most of most <clears throat> the time has been two guitars. Was there any difference in, in the bass and death metal and, and one guitar versus two? You know, look, I play how I play, right? And so I come in any situation, um, whether it's an acoustic song or it's, you know, scorching death metal. And I, you know, I just sort of size it up and uh, what's required, you know, what's required of, of this performance. So um, this was one where it was, you know, they wanted the quote unquote David Ellison sound. So I needed to be that guy in this track. And, um, so part of it was just finding my 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 sound inside the tuning because everything's tuned down to C. Um, so um, that was kind of part of it, I think. And and so in the Hall of the Hanging Serpents, you know, the first track that there's a lot about that song that I mean, look, it's the origin story, it's the downbeat of where we met, um, and yet you know, musically, I had to really kind of study like where's he recording this like where is he putting his hands and you know not knowing him not been in the room i've never seen his hands on guitar i'm just hearing it for the first time i go going 
hell is he playing this? You know, and, and, and so the whole, that was the learning curve. And I think then once I was in it, I'm like, okay, we reside down here in C, right? So this is where it is. Um, you know, as a bass player, getting your, you know, when you tune guitars down, they can sound cooler. When you tune a bass down, it does not sound cooler. It just goes, you know, it's just sounds like a big fart. Right. So I, in fact, this is, it, I had to really kind of reapproach you know, an instrument I've spent my whole life with and sort of like start a new relationship with this thing called the bass, you know, and uh, four string, five string. And here's what's kind of interesting about it is now I take a five string bass and I tune it up a half step, right? Because ah. normally it's in B. So I tune it up a half step. So now the bass is twanging and really singing. And and now it sounds very musical uh, rather than getting all floppy and farty and sounding <laughs> kind of annoyed you know with everything so yeah hey I, i've been learning a lot with this band trust me <laughs> well it, you know and speaking of learning in new instruments or, or not necessarily a new instrument but letting it shine your vocals great to hear your singing on on uh, certainly the the walk with me forever and then even singing in heavy as the crown right right thank you no i appreciate that it's uh you know as we say you know if you want a different guitar sound we get a different guitar and amp if you want a different vocal sound this is what I got. <laughs> this is what I'm bringing you, you know? So, um, and, you know, I think it was just like, I always sing. I'm obviously saying backup, of course, and Megadeth all the time. And, sure. you know, even in my own writing, I, I always write vocal lines and melodies and craft these things. Uh, I go to like the Ellison solo record we did last week. We actually re wrote and recorded that in 2000 uh, in 21. And it came out last year. Um, you know, there's a lot of that. That's even before Jeff was on board, I, I was writing and crafting, you know, melodies and stuff. And it's like, and I knew it's like, I am not the guy to sing this. This is, <laughs> this is not in my wheelhouse. That's why you call a rock God like Jeff Scott Soto, right? Sure, that's sure. what he does. He yeah. makes stuff sound awesome. But in this case, you know, here we are, we're in the studio, the three guys, we're making up a new sound, a new band, new songs, a new story. And, and I think just as much is the story. Uh, of these songs because it tells a completed thought to hell and back, you know, is, you know, for all three of us, it, it's a, it's a story about going through transitional processes, right. And coming out the other side of it. And um, so even the song walk with me forever um, started, you know, Glarmy was thinking about, you know, his relationship with Lars when he died from cancer with Entombed and all that. And I think when I was singing it, I got a bit more of a um, kind of a family or, you know, not, not family, but kind of a romantic uh, sort of bent on it. Um, because and that's the beauty of a song is is what it meant to Glarmy didn't mean the same thing to me because I didn't have that experience. Right. So here I'm singing it. I've got a different inflection. And when I did the treatment for the video, that's where it came to me that this chorus was, is kind of, it's two people, right? And that's why in the video, essentially it's the woman talking to her deceased lover. You know, if I wander all alone, you know, I'm, you know, I'm still with you. And then the other half is the deceased speaking to the earthling saying, Hey, if you walk with me forever, then we really will be together forever. You know, once you transition to this side and it's through eternity that we'll be together. So um, that's why when I was drafting the video and our director, Oscar, I think did a great job with the storyline and, and um, 
and just, you know, showing this, you know, the moodiness of it, you know, so, but, but, and I, I try not to be too literal with it because it may mean something completely different to you. When you hear, you may think about, oh man, when my dog died, it was the saddest day of my life, you know, yeah. and, um, or whatever it could be. Right. So I, I try to not get too detailed. What's the song about? It's like, well, I don't know. Well, you tell me. You heard it. What do you think it's about? You know, I always rather flip it back to the listener. What do you think it's about? You know, I do like that juxtaposition, though. The the you know from the living point of view and then from the dead point of view too is really cool. Yeah, because you know, I remember Max Norman always said, "Man, don't use words like forever and never. They're fucking bullshit, man. They don't mean anything. <laughs> they don't mean anything." You know, and and in the living sense, he's right. Like forever. Well, none of us stay on the planet forever, so it doesn't have that yet. You go to a funeral and what does it say? You know, this person entered into eternal rest on, you know, whatever, such and such day. Right. Right. So uh, there, the eternity aspect of it to me, and I think Blair May, when he was writing it, you know, there's this eternity thing about someone who, who who's deceased, you know, and their spirits, or if you're a religious person, you have your belief of that. So um, to me, that's, um, you know, young couple in love. And then, you know, in this case, the, the, the male partner dies and, and it's just this longing and loneliness and you can see the sadness. And it's cool in the video because the, the actors, uh, the guy is a, a well-known uh, Broadway actor, uh, mm. theater actor in Gdansk, Poland. And the woman is a, is a, is a well-known uh, Polish TV actress. Ah. So um, yeah, they're very, you know, professionals and, they know how to, you know, emit <laughs> the emotion and yeah, make it yeah, emote. Yes, exactly. So, so as well as Guilherme out playing his awesome guitar solo in the in the freezing cold water. Oh my God, he literally almost lost toes over that. I mean, he came in, he came into the hotel. I was like, oh my God, I feel like my feet are going to go. Like his feet were literally blue because the water was so cold. We filmed that at the end of March, and it was friggin' cold out, man. I mean, it was probably snowing earlier that day. You know? Wow. In fact, the day before, when we filmed the first scene in the in the cemetery, it was snowing out. I'm like, how apropos that we're in Poland shooting a d- dark, depressing, and now it's snowing under the gray Polish skies. I'm like, this is like you couldn't you couldn't write this into a freaking treatment of a video, you know? Yeah, meant to be, meant to be, and and obviously the big question now comes to I think I saw you're doing some European European dates with this band. Any yeah. chance of coming to the states with it, or wait and see, or? <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. The, you know, because of uh, the release dates, you know, we sort of sort of missed the festival season a little bit because, you know, obviously now kind of like right now, literally people are going, oh, my God, this band, this is cool. And um, so it's sort of the first, you know, listen that everybody's had of it. But um, also at the same time, um, uh, we, we, you know, we got lucky to get on a few festivals, Grass Pop and Vagos and motorculture and these things. So, um, and, and then in between others, we're doing some of these dates with testaments and some headline shows and various things. So, and there's a few more coming up here. It looks like in August as well. So, you know, we're spending the summer there. Uh, cause that's just where the phone's ringing right now. Um, <laughs> the band's based in Poland, obviously Napalm is, is Austrian and German pr- primarily. And, um, so, you know, it's, it's fun. I got, not gonna lie. It's, I'm looking forward to spending the summer over there. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of where all the cool big stuff's going on. So all my friends will be there. And, um, and, but then, yeah, then looking as this is propped up now, um, and especially I think with walk with me forever, you know, that, 
that made a pretty deep splash and a pretty big impact for radio. And, you yeah. know, so thank you for your support on that. And, you know, so your, your tribe now is going, wow, we can play this. We like this, you know, and, and that's, that's always news. It's great news to a musician and artist, but it's certainly good news to a record company when they go, Oh my gosh, we can get something on the radio. <laughs> this is, this is awesome. So that's, that seems like the path now. Looking forward to it and looking forward to seeing the band live and want to touch upon uh, Kings of Thrash as well while I got you for for you. And, dude, thank you for bringing Jeff Young back out of the depths of knownness because that's where I kind of came in with So Far So Good. So what? That was kind of my era and it was one and done. And I always kind of wondered, like, what the hell happened to him? And uh, you had done stuff in the past with Chris Poland and Ohm and F5 and stuff. So it was great to finally see Jeff. Had you always been in touch with him or did you just kind of recently? reconnected you know uh more recent but i you know it's funny when we did the megadeth behind the music special in 2001 you know i'm the one who reached to chris and i reached to jeff (laughs) and you know at the time they were not so keen on doing it and i (laughs) said well listen you know you're part of the story and you will be forever and of course you know now we know that all these years later you know we've you know the shit becomes classic rock and you know what i mean it's all you know, now we realize, wow, we, we really are a legacy band. This is going to live forever. It'll outlive us, you know. But at the time, 20 years ago, I had to do a little, you know, oh, come on, this will be fun. It'll be good for you. And and it was good for them. And, I, you know, look, both Jeff and Chris looked great back then in that thing, in that presentation. So it was a good way to re- reintroduce them back to a beyond Megadeth audience that, yeah, these guys were players in this in this drama here you know so which i think was great um so fast forward all these years later and they still look great they play great they're totally you know of sober judgment and and clear heads and and um and it, like we shared you know a kinship of our time together and that's what things kind of funny with those two guys and they even laugh about it is you know here you know Jeff is brought in to replace Chris, <laughs> so they never knew each other. But now they've become the best of friends. They're just total guitar nerds. You know, <laughs> they just geek out over gear and parts and licks and, you know, good famous guitar players and stuff. So they, you know, they've really got it. So that that's fun, man. That's And I guess, you know, that's kind of always been my role around there. And I guess out in the world at large is I'm kind of the bringer together of people, <laughs> you know, and uh, and especially kind of keeping my arms around the the legacy and the tribe and um you know and i mean look technically this is i mean literally like today june 1st is or yeah june 1st is uh you know kind of the downbeat of 40 years of megadeth i mean it was it was probably today or this week you know me and my friend greg knocked on dave's door looking to get (laughs) some beer and that led to us forming a band together you know and um so it's it's kind of the the 40 years of megadeth i mean i didn't think about it so just now it, it literally kind of starts now so it's wow. it's fun to, to 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 keep us connected you know because it, it it is it's a story that's bigger than any one of us we've all had a role in it but it's it's greater than the sum of its parts Love it, man. Love what you're doing and, and shining the light on that music and i gotta say man your drummer in that band fred is a beast oh. Beast. Dude, it, he's unbelievable, man. I mean, we went in the studio a couple of weeks back and just laid down, laid down some tracks that Jeff and I had started writing. Because uh, we, so we we reconnected for the Nick Menza movie, and that was uh, January 2022. Same month we started Dieth, ironically, when I got that that email. <laughs> um, so, um, 
And so we, we reconnected, we did an interview for the movie and we went up to the rainbow there on sunset and we had dinner one night and he started, he goes, dude, remember those riffs that we had that we were working on in 1988 that would have, you know, kind of maybe would have become on unru- unrust in peace. And, and, um, he hummed them to me and I remembered him immediately. I went, dude, I totally remember that riff. Cause if one of us in the seven, seven, seven eight i guess is kind of odd the seven four this odd time oh. meter right and um and uh and then now it's now this song bridges burned that we rolled out while we were on tour and 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 um and that started so we went in the studio with mike keller the drummer from the lucid who's also a fantastic producer he invited us over so we just went in and laid down these four tunes and uh just you know sketched the ideas out at least and got it started so i said look before i go to europe and you know i got a little minute here why don't we go in the studio and at least kind of lay them down a little more you know something that we can kind of build upon now so jeff will be working on that while i'm overseas and you know so that's uh but yeah it's great to have have him back you know he he was there for uh you know, for a few minutes of, of the Megadeth legacy. And then of course that, you know, all that kind of got outshined a little bit once we hit the nineties with rest of peace and yeah. all that big stuff. So it's, but it's funny, like, you know, like you and a lot of people have told me so far so good. So what that was, that was their record. That was when they started just because of your age, right? right. Your yeah. age is like, man, that was the record that, that when I first heard metal, that was the record I heard and changed lives and so it's there's a lot of significance to, to that so i'm glad we can play those songs live again just one quick story for you about that album specifically back i forget what grade i was in when it came out but one of those situations i'm sure you had it as a kid hey honey if your mom tells you hey if you get good grades i'll get you anything you want well yeah, yeah. this is the one time i got good grades and i made her go buy me so far so, so what and the Which, look and the look on cassette and the look on her face when she was with her boyfriend who ended up being her husband at the time but yeah. like, hey mom buy me this and the look on her face was classic yeah. dude well and it had the you know pmrc explicit lyrics basically parental advisory do not buy this album it will right. corrupt your child so <laughs> she knows she's going against any good judgment here as a parent you know and now look at us <laughs> here we are all these later you've turned out okay we've done all right (laughs) classic and dude you touched upon it want to mention the lucid i i love Vinny and his voice i saw sponge recently he still brings it one of my favorite singers of all time i mean i'll listen that guy sing the phone book and and performing live even better and we got the ep this uh this year earlier this year Sweet Tooth with Violent J, which when I first read about it, I was like, oh, no, that's not going to work. And then listening upon using Epic in that, I was like, oh, this kind of does work. This is really cool. But more plans and more stuff going on with the Lucid? Sure. Yeah. I mean, look, we tried to do these shows last year and then Drew, you know, had his cancer scare there and he got through it. He's good. Fortunately, he's one of the lucky ones with that. So, um but you know so now obviously trying to fit it in the schedule of stuff for live <laughs> you know like we we seem to be an awesome internet band um <laughs> you know meaning you know look we're really in the room we make records as, as real humans and um you know and it's funny because the records i've been making lately are not <laughs> these digital you know these digitized quantized suck the life out of them through digital <laughs> you know methods of, of making records they're they're very organic uh real human feeling records you know and and i and i'm glad about that because i 
as much as I, you know, like I was a big fan of like the early Disturbed records and a lot of the sort of very staccato machine gun drumming that that you know you could perfect so well with uh, with um, you know with with Pro Tools and this digitization and stuff. You know, the truth of it is, is I like digital for for the composing aspect is you can lay ideas down and you can you know kind of work things out. You know, it's it's a, it's a good assistant with that, but ultimately. It's the human performance, and and I don't like when everything is auto tuned and and um, and just the drums quantize. You just suck it out of you. Just sucks all the life out of it. You know, like you say, you know, Fred aching the Kings of Thrash drummer. I'm being in the studio with him last week. He's like Jesus, <laughs> this guy is. I mean, he is like you know. Josh Freeze just got the gig in Foo Fighters. Right. It's like Fred should just go take all of Josh's gigs around <laughs> L.A. Because, I mean, he's that good. I mean, yeah. he really is that good. He's fucking amazing. So, you know, to that's and, – and in my opinion, man, that's – you're only as good as your drummer, you know, especially <laughs> if you're a rock band, you know. And sometimes the best drummers aren't flashy. Like the REM drummer, I always, I always think of him. He's so great, you don't even notice because he just lays it down. I mean, to the point that when he left the band, the band kind of fell apart. You know, it, it wasn't the same. Larry Mullins with U two, same thing. I mean, these guys are just Charlie. You know, Watts. We're all listening to, yeah, right. I mean, there's just there's a thing, right? And so when you're that drummer um, and you've got that thing, um, it, it's it's just it, it it's that you know, but. Um, but yeah, back to the lucid question. Sorry to drift <laughs> off on twenty other things, but um, yeah, you know, so, so the the, the lucid. It, it's funny that, um, and I'm with you. Vin is just he is just the ultimate rock star, man. Just the cool as it gets. It was his idea to bring Violent J in because they're neighbors ah. up there in Michigan, ah. and uh, and I love that that he thinks way outside the box of just like you know, let me call this cat and get him involved. <laughs> and I was just like, that was a very unusual thing. And, and it's great. I love Jay's voice. It's, it's got a cool sound and, and really dynamic against Vinny's voice. Yeah. And um, yeah, they, you know, Faith No More, they signed off on that. They were cool. They loved it. They <laughs> thought it was super cool that we were doing it. And, uh, you know, so uh, they gave us their blessing to, you know, do kind of a rewrite on the lyrics and everything and, and just kind of play around with it. And I'll tell you, it was a fun bass line. I mean, Billy Gould is just a fantastic bass player. I always loved his playing as soon as I heard Faith No More. That song in particular, um, great player, super cool dude. And, you know, so it was fun to learn his part and really play it. Um, I realize he played it with a pick. It sounds like he's slapping it, but I, but it, it's not a flea style thing. I think it's a, it's a plectrum style thing. So as huh. a pick player, I was like, this is cool that it has this kind of funk thing against these metal guitars and everything. It was, it was fun to sit there with Mike Heller and really dial in and, and learn the part. And, you know, he and I really tried to lock that in the same way Billy and Puffy played that, you know? Yeah. I love, love the funk that they brought to metal faith. No more. Yeah, remember that phase? That was a whole phase. Remember, there's like prong. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was mind funk. There was, uh, you know, Faith No More. Obviously, there was that movement of that sort of funk metal thing in the early '90s. Yeah, and it was it was a thing there for a minute. Well, David, I appreciate all the time. Last thing I got to hit you with, man. We're an old school radio station. We do mandatory metallic every night at 10 p.m. And sure. I've been in this debate lately with my friend. Uh, Brad, who sings in a band called Against the Sun, we've been debating the better of the two Metallica albums, Ride the mm -hmm. Lightning versus Master of Puppets. How say you? I, I am for sure a Master of Puppets guy. Yes. Um, 
For sure. Um, and, and you know, there's I, I like first of all, I love the sonic quality of it. I think it, it, it's it's got one of my favorite drum tones. I think the um, just everything about the I think it, that's a moment that it really came together. And I know, look, I was just at Barnes and Noble the other day and they had Ride the Lightning remastered best thrash metal album ever, <laughs> says Metal Hammer. And, you know, so everybody's got their opinion of it. I think for me, I mean, look, I, I, my Metallica I started with is when Dave played me the No Life to Leather demo. So for me, that's to me, that's the sort of the Metallica I first heard. And then I heard Kill Em All. And I'm like, so I heard the transitions of slowing some tempos down. And obviously, you know, Kirk's the guitar player. And so all of that stuff. So I guess kind of being almost in the room, you know, with all of that. Um, um or kind of even in the room i guess a little bit you know during a lot of those transitions you know i mean i love to talk they're they're one of my favorite bands they're they're super cool guys and uh they've just you know they've done so much for us and you know when new records came out i when i lived in la i'd drive around listen to them all the time and kdc you know sure editor i guess <laughs> you know just because it broadcast you know in la out of long beach and stuff um when it was a you know a terrestrial station i guess as we say yeah um so um but yeah no for me for me master puppets man top to bottom if if i had to pick one metallica record hands down that would be the one I knew it. I knew that's why I loved you. And just kind of curious, <laughs> going back to those days, I mean, there was certainly that rivalry there, and obviously with, with Mustaine's past. Do you think it was a healthy rivalry back in the day or an unhealthy rivalry that you guys had? I don't know. Is <laughs> is is going to war ever healthy? I don't know. I mean, maybe sometimes it has to be done, right? I mean, I look, you know, look, I, it wasn't my story, so I sat sidecar to it, you know, and – um you know, I, I was always one trying to put my arm around Dave and just go, no, dude, it's cool. Like when the guy, you know, sees Dave and, you know, walking down the street and they drive by and they go, Metallica, yeah. you know, he took it like they're dissing on him. Right. And I was like, what are you talking about, dude? They're fucking, you're the guy from Metallica. <laughs> like they're fucking, they're hailing you. And they, they, they think you're awesome, you know, and see a guy with a Metallica shirt in the front row. And, you know, sometimes these guys, they'd stand in the front row, they'd just flip you off. Right. Flip you. And, but, but that was almost like, you know, you're so badass, fuck <laughs> you. You know, it's like spitting on you. It's like, it's, it's counterculture, right? They spit on you because they love you. They flip you off because they think you're awesome, you know? So sometimes it's just hard to read the room. And, you know, of course, you know, with the success of Metallica, I, I don't know, I just, for me, I always looked at it like, dude, you you had more success being fired from a band than most people would ever get being in the fucking band. You know what I mean? So and I and look, and that was to my advantage too. I got to be in a band that got sort of sucked into the tailwind of that because of Megadeth, you know, starting so so soon after that. I mean, when I moved to LA, I had no idea I was gonna intersect with that story, you know, that that, you know, meet the guy out of Megadeth. But you know, it's it's it, you know, it's Dave's nature, you know. He's he's uh he puts up his dukes and goes for it. And, and it's, and it, you know, I mean, look, Lars came to a lot of our shows, man. I mean, he, he liked ah. Dave and he was a fan of his music. He loves the Peace Cells album. He always would keep saying, he goes, man, Peace Cells is, you know, so rest in peace or Peace Cells for Lars. It'd be like, you know, <laughs> ride the lightning, your master puppets. Right. Lars was always, I remember walking to the stage when we were doing the big four, right? So James and Lars come to the uh, Cow Palace with Megadeth Slayer. 
uh, or touring. So it's been 20, 2010. And, um, and they came and stood stage right and hung for part of the show. And on the way to the stage, Lars is asking Dave, Hey, do you guys play my last words? And so on the way to the stage, you know, Sean drove her to every Megadeth song. So that's no problem. I knew it. Dave and I, you know, of course played it a lot, but Chris Bryan's like, uh, uh, like, you know, it is mind <laughs> mentally practicing on the way to the stage, you know, and it's like, we're putting it in the set tonight, you know, cause Lars said so. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So as much as, you know, they may have brawled sort of your verbally or through the press or, you know, David make comments, you know, the reality of it is, man, it's, you know, we're all brothers and we fucking love each other, even though we may give each other a black eye once in a while, you know, we, <laughs> We're all we're all still brothers of the family, you know. Last last question, since uh, Lars made his request, what's your request for mandatory Metallica? What Metallica tune can we play for you? Wow! All right, good one. Um, you know, I just still love "Welcome Home Sanitarium," man. That's that's. I remember, you know, Michael Alago was who signed Metallica to Electra was courting me and Dave to get us. Uh, we had the Peace Cells album recorded and. Went to New York to shop or to just secure a new manager. And Michael was courting us to sign with Electra. And we, of course, ended up on Capitol. But Michael took us over to uh, Rutherford to see Metallica was on tour with Ozzy. Uh-huh. And, um, and I just remember being at the arena there and watching that, watching them play that song. It sounded so good, man. It was so cool. It was just great to see, you know, our leaders of our genre up leading you know like yeah. to ready taken or taken over the world you know and it was that was the last time i saw cliff last time i talked to cliff was actually backstage after that show uh, um but uh that song in particular uh you know I'll, I'll say another thing if you got one minute you know i remember damage inc right they closed the show with damage inc and i remember sitting at the back of the arena and Lar- and this due to the sound delay you know when lars that's just it's battery but I can't get the song in my head, but the, the drum, his stick would be in the air as you heard the snare. Right. Uh-huh. So it was like this time delay. Right. And it was in that moment, I realized this fast stuff is going to have a hard time translating into these bigger rooms. And of course, then we uh-huh. would get signed to Capitol. We'd go out and tour with Alice Cooper and that started our, you know, major label and arena stuff. So as we moved into the nineties, you know, as, as a lot of our tempos started slowing down, it, it just helped it translate better to these bigger rooms and these bigger halls. And of course, as an artist, it forces you to create differently. And, you know, how do you still keep the intensity and the sort of the thrash intention without just not being thrash, you know? So yeah. there was always this fine line. So that, that, that gig was a very telling gig, you know? So uh, from damaging to, course now we'll play welcome home sanitarium <laughs> beautiful always a pleasure to speak to you david thank you so much thank you, brother glad you got the coffee going again man love the rock and rose oh yeah always <laughs> beautiful man thank Thanks, you so Mike. much have a good one dude bye-bye dude you absolutely rock thank you so much for checking out the entire interview now just hit subscribe subscribe to the podcast radioactive mike z my interviews in their entirety available on all the major platforms tune in stitcher itunes soundcloud whatever you're listening to right now just hit the subscribe button make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well i'll follow you back at mike z 967 and bro don't miss the radio show now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. 
always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.